0: Alright, Hebrews chapter 6 is where we're going to begin today. I pray that the Holy Spirit teach you something today. That the eyes of your understanding be enlightened and that the Word of God get on the inside of you here today. Now we've been pre- preaching here on the Holy Spirit for I don't know how many weeks now. You know, in the churches we, we talk about God. We all understand God is the Creator and that's a good thing. He is that. And we talk about the Lord and Savior Jesus, which we should. But many times, we don't talk, we don't teach about the Holy Spirit. And actually, the Father himself gave the promise of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord Jesus said in Acts 1, he said, I command you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to refresh you just a little bit here this morning. Last week, we talked about the baptism. Look at Hebrews 6, verse number 1. It says... Therefore, leaving the discussion or the elementary principles or the elementary stages of Christ, let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to maturity. In other words, he's telling us here, get on with it. Now think just here a second about the elementary foundations. That's the beginning. And I don't believe as believers, none of us are to stay in the foundation. A foundation is to be built upon. And so we we can't get stuck here in the elementary stages. we got to keep moving in the things of God. See, the things of God, if if you don't seek God and and begin to draw near to him, they begin to grow dead. They begin to grow uh, stale. And so he's telling us here, go on to perfection. Now look what he says. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, and of faith toward God, and of doctrine of baptisms. If you'll notice there, the word baptisms is plural. That that passage right there is cross-referenced into Acts 19, specifically verses 3 through 5. What does that say, Pastor? Well, we studied last week where there was three baptisms. That the Holy Spirit baptizes us into Jesus, which is salvation. We become water baptized. But also the third one was the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now to further this, we got to review where we ended last week. Go over a couple pages to your right, a couple chapters to 1st John chapter 5. 1st John chapter 5. Look with me here in, in verse, starting in verse number 7. 1st John 5 verse 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Now, if you were here last week, remember we said the Father, the Word is the Lord and Savior, Jesus. Jesus, the Word became flesh, that's John 1, 14, and the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to look real close. It says these three are one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So this tells me something, guys. They are in perfect unity. They are in perfect agreement. Where? In heaven. Verse number 8. And these three bear witness on earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and these three agree as one. So even these three that are mentioned here on earth, they are in total agreement. They are in total unity. Now, when it talks about the blood, this is talking about salvation. The only way that we can have the remission of sin is through the blood of Jesus. How many of us still believe to this day in salvation? I do. I believe that God still saves through the Lord and Savior Jesus. Number two is water baptism, which signifies that our old man has been washed and dead and cleansed, and we have been resurrected. We have been sealed through the water of baptism with what Jesus did in our heart. But if you'll notice here, the third one, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, if we believe in the other two, why don't we believe in this one? Why don't we really begin to understand why the Father sent the Holy Spirit? Now, look closely back in verse number 7. Who are the three in heaven? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And if you'll notice in verse 8, the only one of the Trinity that is actively involved in the earth right now, the Holy Spirit. If you'll look there, it says he bore witness in heaven and he's here on earth. How do we know that? Well, Romans eight thirty four says that Jesus right now is at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. Right now, the Holy Spirit is the only active agent of the Trinity that is moving right now on this place called earth. And so I believe, guys, we really need to start understanding more about the Holy Spirit. Now, turn with me to the book of Luke, chapter 11. And as you're turning there, we've been showing uh, the video of Francis Chan numerous times. This is the last part of this. I believe it'll really speak to you this morning. Go ahead and show that, guys, if you would, please. If we allow the Holy Spirit to be what God said, it'd be powerful. I tell you, I believe that that's where we're headed. I really do. Now, we're here in Luke, chapter 11. As you're getting there, listen, I want you to understand this. Let's just read the Bible today, okay? Let's just let the Bible become the truth, not not man-made traditions. You know, I've heard every reason why you can't and you shouldn't be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's just be New Testament taught. Let's put down the traditions of men, okay? All right, since you all got that, Luke chapter 11, verse 9. Jesus speaking, so he said, so I say to you, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Now, in the Greek theory, this this uh, denotes a continuous asking, a continuous seeking, a continuous knocking. Actually, the Amplified says that you'll keep on asking, you'll keep on seeking, you'll keep on knocking. I believe that's part of our hunger as a believer, that we got to keep on. Keep on asking, because when we don't, that's when we get stale. So this is Jesus' words. He goes on to say in verse 10, For everyone, not just one or two, not just a few, but for everyone who asks, receives. And he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it'll be open. If a son asks for bread from a father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks of an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Now this was Jesus' words here. And there at the end there of verse 11 and 12, he asked some questions that you almost think, why would he say, if I ask for bread, will he give me a, a scorpion or a serpent? And if I ask for an egg, will he give me a scorpion? That's pretty bizarre, isn't it, when you think about that. But the reason I believe Jesus was doing that right here, that the serpent and the scorpion were both biblical examples of demonic power this is what he's talking now how do you know that well turn over just one chapter back to luke chapter 10 i'm gonna show you something here real quick luke 10 verse 19 jesus's words he said behold i give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy Now, right back here, back back into Luke 11, verse 12, where he says this, serpents and scorpions, what he's telling us here is that when you ask Father God for something from God, he's not going to give you something from the devil. If you ask for salvation, he's not going to say, well, instead, I'm going to give you a demon. So whatever you ask the Father, He's gonna give you those things of the Kingdom of God. Now look what He goes on to say in verse 13. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? And so when you ask Father God for the Holy Spirit, He's not gonna give you a demon or a devil. He's going to give you the Holy Spirit, exactly what you ask. Now, when you ask for the Holy Spirit, you receive the person of the Holy Spirit. We've seen in Scripture, specifically John 16, where when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, He said, there'll be truth. He'll lead you to uh, uh, not only the truth, but He'll give you insight. He'll show you things to come. He'll be the empower. But over and over and over and over in, in, in the New Testament, specifically the book of Acts, when believers got filled with the Holy Spirit, they would begin to speak with other tongues. Now, I sensed right there, some of you just hit the brakes. Some, uh, I could hear them. Listen, guys, we're going to be taught the Bible, okay? Let's look what the Bible says, because once again, I want to clarify to you today. I grew up in a church, not very long, But I grew up in a church where it said, everything of the Holy Spirit is dead. Those things don't happen no more. Well, that's why I'm saying, let's just read the Bible. Let's just read the Bible. So turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians 13. Now, it's interesting to me, when those believers in the book of Acts got filled with the Holy Spirit, it said that they would magnify God. When they got filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in other tongues, it said they would talk about the wonderful works of God. That really sounds like the devil, doesn't it? See, this is what people have said. They got filled with the Holy Spirit, and when you pray in other tongues, that's of the devil. Well, once again, guys, in my life before I knew Jesus, I spent a lot of time around the things of the devil, and speaking in other tongues was not one of them. And even in that setting, that that to think that when people get filled with the Holy Spirit and they magnify God and they talk of the wonderful works of God, that did not sound like the devil to me. You know why? Because it's not. 1 Corinthians 13. Begin to look with me in verse 1, and I believe this could be called the baptism of heaven. Why? Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels but not have love, I've become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Now, it's interesting here that in the Greek, the word tongue right there means language. So, though I speak with the language of men and the language of angels. Interesting. How many of you didn't know that the angels had a language? They do. Now, this passage here in 1 Corinthians 13... It is primary about love. Most of this chapter talks about love and it talks about love. But here the Apostle Paul, I believe, is, is revealing his awareness of a heavenly language. He's saying, though I speak with tongues of men and tongues of angels. Now it's all based around love and you know you hear this. And it's in, it's in this chapter where speaking in other tongues has ceased. Well, if you look at verse 8, I'm gonna bring just a little clarity to you real quick All those previous verses talk about love verse 8 says love never fails But where there are prophecies, they will fail Whether there are tongues, they will cease where there's knowledge. It will vanish away Now, Let me ask you something right now. Has knowledge vanished away? No, because if it has we're all up the creek today It hadn't vanished Why is he saying this? Because, listen, guys, the day is coming where we'll no longer need to prophesy. You know why? We'll be face to face with Jesus. And the day's coming where we will not need to pray in other tongues, because why? We'll look Jesus face to face. He'll be right there. And even knowledge, it'll pass away. And so why is love the greatest one? Because love is eternal. Love will last forever. And so, will tongues cease? Yeah. Have they? Not yet. Because last time I saw, me and you were still here. We hadn't been raptured yet, okay? Look at 1 Corinthians 14. Now, we're going to study a few things in here. 1 Corinthians 14, verse number 1. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue... The message says a private language. He does not speak to men, but he speaks to God. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries, or he utters secrets, or he shares intimacies. Now, it's interesting right here, why is it that no one but God understands this language? Because it's a heavenly language. It's something that's done between a believer and Father God. Now, to help clarify some things, same chapter, look at verse number 14 with me. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Now, the Apostle Paul here is telling us that when you pray in another tongue, your mind is not going to comprehend it. It's going to be unproductive or unfruitful to your mind. In other words, I believe he's trying to show us, You're never going to understand it with your mind. I believe a lot of times this is why a lot of believers don't do it. Because they say, man, my mind does not understand. It doesn't comprehend this. It never is. He who prays in a tongue prays with his spirit. Verse 15. What is the conclusion? The Amplified says, what am I to do then? Now listen to what he says. I will pray with the spirit. That is praying in other tongues. How do you know that? Refer back to verse 14. "For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays." So what's Apostle Paul saying here? Here's the clu- uh, conclusion. Here's the solution: I will pray with the Spirit, and I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will also sing with the understanding. And so when you begin to look at it, the message says the the answer is simple enough. Do both. Now, how many believers never pray out of their spirit? If I don't pray in other tongues, I'm never going to pray out of my spirit. And so in saying that today, do you just might possibly suppose today that the Holy Spirit knows a little more than you and me? I believe he does. All you have to do is look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse starting in about verse 10, and that says that the Spirit of God searches the deep things of God. It says the only one that knows the heart or the thought of God is the Holy Spirit. If I ever really want to touch the the things of God, it's going to come through the Holy Spirit. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. Now, this is what happens to each one of us. And this is a huge step of faith, guys. This is huge because why? It's never uh, comprehended within my mind. Now, think about this right now. How many of you, when you got born again, saw Jesus? How many of you, when you got born again, did Jesus stroll in and shake your hand and say, Hey, Jesse, I'm Jesus. You really need to receive me today. Did any of you see Jesus? But yet we still believed in him. It still became a step of faith. And so when I begin to hear the word of God about Jesus, I begin to realize I need him. So what happened to get born again? It took a, a huge step of faith because my mind is used to seeing things. But here I don't see him, and so I stepped out in faith. How many of you read about how God created the earth, how he spoke it into existence, and you believe that stuff? But how many have you have ever been introduced to God face to face? See, over and over and over, we step out in faith. We believe in an omnipotent God that I've never seen. I believe in my Lord and Savior Jesus when I've never seen. But you know what? When I got born again, he became real to me. It became alive to me. See, this is the same with the Holy Spirit. That's the exact same thing. That if you think your mind is going to comprehend the things of the Holy Spirit, it's not. Why? What happens when you get born again? You get a new spirit, you get a new heart. How many when you got born again, you got a new body? Dang, if we got new bodies, we get born again every week. I don't have to diet no more. I'm just going, I, man, I need to get born again. I, I need some thicker hair on my head. It was nothing to do with the physical realm, it's the things to do with, with my heart, with my spirit. Look, look with me in that sh- same chapter at verse number two, uh, verse number four. Let's go to verse four. 1 Corinthians 14, verse four. Now, listen to this. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He builds himself up. He improves himself. Now listen to me. How many of you need to be edified? You need to be built up. He's not talking about in our flesh, guys. He's talking about our spirit. When I pray in another tongue, it edifies me. It builds me up. So what he's beginning to share with us right here is that it's kind of like going to the gym. Some of you go to the gym and you work out. Why? You try to get in shape physically. Well, think about this. When I pray in another tongue, I am beginning to get in shape spiritually. Now, it's pretty apparent some of you who go to the gym and it's pretty apparent some of you who don't go to the gym. But the ones that go to the gym... That it's consistent, it's day after day after day. And so you can look at some people and you can see they work out. I look at it this way. What about us in the spirit realm? When 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 the angels or the demons look at you, do they look at you spiritually and say, look at that little runt. Look at that little scrawny rascal. He looks spiritually malnourished. Look how weak he is. And actually, 1 Peter 5 says, The devil walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He preys on one. Who do you think he preys on? Ooh, he preys on you little scrawny ruts. Now, I'm not talking to anybody. I'm just using the illustration. So put your rocks down. But think about this in the natural when you work out. Some of you go to the gym one day, and now you think you're on the Olympic weightlifting team not gonna happen and some of you run on the treadmill for 23 seconds and now you're a marathoner not gonna happen now see we 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 get that illustration in the natural how do you begin to get fit physically man you lift day after day you run day after day after day after day after day what about spiritually spiritually And he says right here that when you pray in another tongue, you edify yourself, you build yourself up. One of the greatest biblical references I can give you on that is Jude 20. It says, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, praying in the other tongue. So guess what that is telling me right there? When I pray in another tongue, it's like spiritually, I am bench pressing where my faith is rising. I can tell you this, guys, right now. I've I've preached the faith message, I've lived by faith for years of my life, but when I don't do the things to create faith, hearing the word, praying and other things, my faith begins to do a nosedive. I said this on Wednesday night if you were here, that when it comes to faith, you'll never have what you don't see yourself with. If I can't begin to see it with the eyes of faith, I'll never walk in it. And so the Lord said to me, he began to stir me up. How? I was praying in other tongues, man. I was going at it. And the Lord said, you've allowed your faith even in the area of healing to to sag, to sink. And so I'd had some issues with my knee again. And I'm telling you guys, something began to happen. The Lord began to revive me and things began to grow back up on the inside of me with faith. I began to see myself again. I see myself running. I mean, you can tell I'm a lot stronger. I'm jump roping. I mean, a bunch, right? I'm moving forward again. You know why? And I started feeding my faith. I started building myself up. Some of you are spiritually weak. I've been there. Why is it important that we do this? Well, I'm glad you asked. Turned over to Ephesians chapter six. Ephesians chapter six. And the reason I, I want to highlight this today is listen. If I don't begin to do what the Bible says, beloved, building yourself up in your holy self, he who prays in another tongue edifies himself, guess what? Spiritually, I'm not fit. Spiritually, I'm out of shape. And I wonder why I go through life getting my, my, my blessed assurance kicked all the time. See, if, if we could have conquered everything that we needed to as the church with just the Word of God, with just showing up on Sunday mornings, don't you think that would already happen? I believe, guys, God is wanting to revive us here. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, my fellow believers, me and you, be strong in the Lord... And in the power of his might. Now, remember when, when we start talking about power, what did Jesus say about power? In Acts 1.8, he said, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, he's telling us some stuff here about power. Verse number 11. Put on the whole armor of God. Why? That you may be able to stand. Who? You. That you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks, the strategies, the deceits of the devil. Who's going to have to stand? You are. I am. I better understand my armor then, hadn't I? Verse 12, listen to this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in high places. These are all the demonic forces, fallen angels. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that your grandmother will pray for you. You know why I said that? Because a lot of times that's what we've thought. I sure hope my mom was praying for me today. Now, i love for my mom to pray for me but there comes a time that I'm going to have to learn to stand. That is learning to leave the elementary principles and say, okay, all right. Now he says here that you may be able to withstand. The word withstand there is a verb that suggests vigorously opposing and bravely resisting in the day of evil and having done all to stand, you're going to stand. Now he's telling us here, I'm going to give you authority And I'm going to give you the weapons or the means on how to do it. But you're going to do it. What are those weapons? I'm going to read them fast. Verse 14. Stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now this is part of our armor. You can go through here and look, truth, peace, integrity, morals, that you understand your righteousness, faith is a weapon. The helmet of salvation, is, the sword is a weapon. But many times we stop right there. And if you don't go to battle with your full armor, you better get ready because the devil will begin to find a weakness. What are you talking about? Look at verse 18. Praying always with all prayer. It's interesting that he didn't say just praying. But he said praying with all prayer. You know what? There's different types of prayer. What is it? You'll pray in the Spirit and you'll pray in the understanding. Look what he says here. Praying always with all prayer, supplication in the Spirit. You guys see that? Part of praying in the Spirit is vital. It's part of my arsenal. It's how I go to battle. And this is why we must learn this stuff. We must begin to see, man, I gotta have the Holy Spirit. I gotta have the Holy Spirit. Now I'll end with this maybe. Depends on how well you guys pay attention. Go to Romans chapter eight. I'm I'm just kidding. You guys are quiet, taking notes, letting this sink in. Let me tell you this true story as you're turning there. I was around a a doctor, highly educated. And he said this to me. He said, maybe you can explain some things to me today. He said, in my profession, there came a time in my life where I had patients, clients that were coming to me. And he said, I had exhausted all my education. He said, I didn't know what to do. He said, I would prescribe him this and I would tell him to do that. And he said, nothing was working. Now, he's born again. And he said, one day I just began to call out to God and I said, God, you got to help me. you got to help me. I'm, I'm to the point of telling my clients, go back home, I can't help you anymore. And so day by day, he's on his way to work and he said, oh, Father God, you got to help me. you got to come and assist me. He said, one day, I'm on my way to work, and he said, all of a sudden, something in my spirit, something in my belly, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. Something started rising up, and he said, I begin to speak it. His exact words were, I don't know if I was speaking Chinese, Vietnamese, whatever. He said, it was only a few syllables, and he said, I just begin to speak them out. He said, I got to the office and this one patient came in and he said, all of a sudden I told her, if we would do this a little different and we would change that up just a little bit, I believe that's what's going to work. Two days later, she calls back and says, I don't know what's going on, but my body is responding. He looked at me and he said, what do you think I was doing? And I said, you were praying in other tongues, you were praying in the spirit and he was helping you. And he said, that's what I thought. And he said, I went home and told my wife that. And she said, honey, we don't do that no more. The Holy Spirit doesn't do those things. And she, he said, yeah, they do. That's just what happened to me. And he said, I find myself doing it all the time. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, actually, as you work me over a little bit, go ahead and pray in other tongues. I don't care. Now, this is a guy who was highly educated. Real close to me, yeah, little fa man. Romans eight, verse twenty-five. But if we hope for what we do not see, looky there. If we hope for what we don't see, and with the eye of faith you see some, but we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps or aids in our weaknesses. Now look, look real close there. Who helps or aids you in your weaknesses? The Holy Spirit. It's interesting to me there too that it says weaknesses, plural. You know what that means? You may have more than one. I mean, you got some weaknesses in your life right now? That's what he's telling us here. And look what he recommends. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. How many have ever been in a situation, you don't know what to pray, you're throwing up your hands and say, man, every time I pray with what I do pray, it never works. I've been, I'm there right now. There's certain situations I'm going through my life right now, and I come in here and say, I don't know what to pray. So what do we do? Look here. But the Spirit Himself makes intercessions for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, you know what He's saying here? It's words that we can't articulate. Words that aren't fruitful to our mind. We give our spirit up and I begin to release that out of my mouth and I allow the Holy Spirit to pray through me. And guess what happens? Oh, happy day. He goes on to say in verse 27. Now he who searches and hears and knows what the mind of the spirit is because he makes intercession for who? The saints according to the will of God. Listen guys, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not fruitful to my mind. But when I say this, Father God, I'm in this certain situation in my life. I don't know what to pray, but Holy Spirit, you do. So I'm going to ask you to give me unction in my spirit, and I'm going to release it, and I'm going to pray it out. And when we do that, according to this verse here, we pray the perfect will of God. You know what the perfect will of God is? That's not, I sure hope this works today. The perfect will of God. And when we allow the Holy Spirit to pray the perfect will of God for us, look what happens in verse 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now this right here in verse 28. This is done when me and you keep in fellowship and we keep in union with the Holy Spirit. When you keep hanging out with Him day by day. Now, if you've come to church here very long, we sing this song. God makes all things work together for my good. Oh, we love to sing that. He makes all things. I'm not going to sing it for you. He makes all things work together for our good. But listen real close. Verse 28 is a product that's birthed off of verse 25, 26, and 27. When I stay in fellowship with the Holy Spirit and I allow him to pray through me, verse 28 becomes reality. You want all things to work together for your good? I don't know, pastor. Well, do you? Because when you begin to see this, the Holy Spirit is just saying, come on, hook up here with me. Come on, hook up here with me. This is real. This is alive. This is life right now, guys. All you got to do is go back and look at Peter. Peter was like many of us. He had a big mouth. His mouth got him in trouble all the time. But man, when Pete got filled with the Holy Spirit, things began to happen. He began to walk in victory. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in each one of us. Now, in my own life, guys, I, I get born again. You got to realize, as a teenager, I'm a royal mess. My life is so messed up, guys. I am a pro- my The definition of my life at 19 is sin. You know, when the Apostle Paul says he was the chief sinner, there's some of you just like me, we ran him a close race. i messed up, guys. I give my heart to Jesus. I get born again. Think about this. When you got born again, did all the sin and all the things you were doing just instantly stop? Crud, no, they didn't stop. I wish they would have, but they didn't. And so, did Jesus just get, did I just get born again just to go to heaven? That's a great thing, but there's more to it than that. He wants me, He didn't die for me just to go to heaven. He wants me to live here in victory. So I start going around my brother and I see changes in my brother. And you know, he's a couple years older than me, but now he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And I know I grew up with him. He's not the sharpest tool in the shed. I think, how's he doing those things? So I start going to this this, uh, meeting with him. And I go up on Monday morning, and this guy starts talking about the Holy Spirit. And I'm sitting there thinking, the holy who? I don't have a clue about the things of God. The guy said, listen, if you don't understand this, come back tomorrow morning. I thought, well, that's me. I came back the next day. I started seeing things happen. I saw him lay hands on the sick. I remember seeing a kid who'd never heard in his life. He heard. I mean, it it freaked me out. Now, I I said this in the first service. Some of you got to realize this. I'm just freshly born again. When I begin to see these things happen in my life, it freaks me out, literally. I mean, when you see someone get healed and all this stuff, I'm thinking, what's going on? I remember we're on the way home, and I tell my brother, pull over at that 7-Eleven. He said, what for? And I said, just pull over. So I go in. And you know, well, I hope you don't know anymore. Maybe you do. But you know those little bitty bottles of whiskey? I went in and got one. I may have gotten two that day. It freaked me out so bad. I guzzle it. And he said, hey, 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 you don't have to be doing that stuff. I said, man, this stuff is freaking me out. I go back Wednesday. I hear more. I go back Thursday and I hear more. Friday, the guy says, now listen, if any of you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you come down here and I'll lay hands on you and I believe you'll be filled with the, the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. I really didn't understand it, but you know what I did know? It was real. The proof of the pudding's in the eating. See, when people tell me, the Holy Spirit doesn't do that anymore, I, you're too late. I seem do it. I'm a product of what he's done. So I go walking down there. That guy doesn't get within a couple feet of me. And he reaches his hands before me. All of a sudden, something starts coming out of me. Now listen. My mind didn't comprehend it. But I just went ahead and started speaking it out by faith. And over the years, I got around a bunch of believers who were filled with the Holy Spirit. And when you're around a bunch of believers who are filled with the Holy Spirit, when they start praying in other tongues, it's refreshing. And I got around five guys, and we would get in this room and pray in other tongues, and I'm telling you, stuff would start happening. I would become so aware of the things of the Spirit. Things started come alive, and guess what? That old man started falling off. I started walking in victory. No more Jack Daniels. Started seeking God and letting God fill me up. And to this day, man, I thank God for the Holy Spirit, guys. I thank God for him. He's not spooky natural. He's just the love of God on the inside of me. And I'm telling you guys right now this morning, I'm walking in an incredible peace right now. I mean... If you've ever walked in great peace, it kind of sits on you like a cloud. Some of you may never have experienced it yet. I'm like that, like, now I'm just kind of, you know, my body's fried on the inside. I got too much sun yesterday. Man, I'm telling you, something's happening on the inside of me again. Why? Beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the other tongues. A lot of you may never hear me pray in other tongues. Some of you may. It's a gift, guys. Stand up with me.